Hi, church. Thank you for letting me in your home. Thank you for giving me the privilege to teach and to preach God's word. I've got an amazing, exciting message that God has laid on my heart. I can't wait to share it with you. But first, I wanted to thank you for the privilege. Now, we're starting a small mini-sermon series entitled Risen King. This is our Resurrection Sunday message. We're starting it this week, and it will, it will culminate and end next week. So you're not going to want to miss these two messages. Please feel free to share them as often as you can. Now, I was praying and asking the Lord, Lord, what do you have for me to share with your church? I don't know if you feel the same way, but every day I feel like there's a new surprise. There's new information. There's a new challenge. There's more that's unfolding regarding this crisis and this challenge, and it makes it very difficult to kind of plan for tomorrow. It's like, it's like you really have to live day by day, one day at a time, Lord Jesus. That's all I'm asking from you. And you know what? That's biblical. God says that he'll give you enough grace for today. So every day I say, Lord, what do you want? What do you have for me to share? And I heard him share an old familiar verse. It was after a conversation I was having with my children where they were expressing disappointment, and not just disappointment, but that struggle that everyone is having right now, kind of, kind of getting comfortable with how much life has changed, and, and trying to wrap our minds around the, all the uncertainty if we'll ever get to go back to exactly what we had. You know, the truth is, my daughter Raquel, who's 24, I have another daughter named Evelyn, who's 14, and a son named Joshua, we call him Honey, who's uh, 16. And they were talking about things that they miss and things that they may not get to do and things that others aren't getting to do. Like people are, are very disappointed and saddened and, 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 and downcast because they may not get to see friends again for a while. Others have had to, to leave schools and universities without graduating. Others have missed proms and my daughter missed out on her wedding. She had planned a wedding on May 7th. You know, it was a, a destination wedding, so you can imagine all that's taken place has had some things change regarding that. And it's easy to kind of settle in that moment and not to realize that while things might be changing, God isn't. And God's Word is consistent and we can count on it. Today I want to kind of share something regarding that. You know, many of us in dealing with these disappointments and this uncertainty, we can't wait for the world to get back to the way it used to be. We can't wait to see things just go back if we could just return, if things could just settle down so we could get back to the way things used to be. Can I tell you, in our hurry to get back to the way things used to be, I pray that we don't go back to the way we used to be. I pray that we let this opportunity, this change, this challenge, this tragedy, this amazing crisis make us different. Make us different for the better. That we would reorient, that we would reprioritize, that we would regenerate and recommit to a closer relationship with God to reprioritizing family and the relationships we have with friends, that we would focus on what matters most in life and most of all remember that God is speaking and he's saying, I'm returning soon. These are signs of the times. These are signs of the end of the age. God is saying, I could come at any moment. Are you ready? Let us not get so caught up in getting back that we miss a spiritual purpose. 
And the verse that God began to speak to me, and I was kind of asking, you know, have you ever had God start to tell you like, hey, the, the life verse that I've always given you, he puts it in your heart. It's many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's God's purpose that prevails. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. It's Proverbs 19.21. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's God's purpose that prevails. Do you know God's been preaching that to me for quite a while? I can remember having my own purpose. I can remember thinking, I know my dad's a preacher, and I know my grandfather's a preacher, and I know everybody expects for me to be a preacher or a pastor, but the last thing I'm going to do is be a pastor or a preacher. I'm going to go to business school. I'm going to study hard. I'm going to make good grades. I'm going to live the American dream. I'm going to have the SUV. I'm going to have the big house, the white picket fence. I'm going to have the 2.5 kids. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to do all of these things. And God interrupted that plan. God had something better for me. And he reminds me of that every day when he says, many are the plans in your heart, but it's my purpose that shall prevail. Can I, can I tell you, church? Can I tell you, America? Can we just listen to that verse? And so a good friend of mine, uh, Gilbert Martinez, he sends me a, a message this week. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, interact with me very often. He's in Houston, but it's somebody that I grew up with a long, long time ago. And he sends me a message and he says, I'm praying for you, brother, and I'm thinking about you. And he says, Proverbs 19, 21. The reason he sends that is because he knows that's one of my life verses. And I shared it with him and he shares it with me. And I knew right then God wants me to share with people many of the plans in a man's heart, but it's God's purpose that prevails. So I say again, let us not be so quick to go back to the way things used to be that we forget to be recognizably different. When I, as you look at that, recognizably different, I'm reminded of a lady. She received tragic news. One of the doctors uh, was checking her out and did some scans on her as to why she was having this pain and discomfort. She, they noticed an aneurysm that was about to burst and they needed to go in and do a very complicated procedure so the doctor, being straightforward as they are, said, ma'am, you need to go get your affairs in order because this, this operation is very risky. She began to pray, and she only had a few days. They scheduled her, and she began to pray and really call out to God, as many of us are today. Well, she heard God's voice saying, you don't need to be worried, my child. I have you. I'm going to give you more years of life. With a newfound confidence, she decided to schedule additional procedures. She went in, got the aneurysm taken care of, and quickly started going in and having things lifted and things uh, 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 tucked in, and, and she just got a complete body makeover. I mean, things that she'd always wanted, and, and she had a brand new look. She looked 20 years younger. She's hopping around town and going from here to there, and things couldn't be better. And then in one distracted moment, she stepped out into the street and bam, she got hit by a bus. She died. She shows up at the pearly gates and she's a little bit perplexed. Peter says, come on in. She says, I want to see the Lord. So he takes her to see the Lord and the Lord welcomes her. And she says to the Lord, Lord, you told me I had more life. So I had all this work done. I was feeling great. And then all of a sudden, bam, my life was cut short by that bus. So the Lord peers in and goes, oh, was that you? I didn't recognize you. 
Now, you might be sitting there saying, Pastor, that's bad. I can't believe you said that. Of course the Lord would recognize her. Yeah, you're right. The Lord would recognize her, and it's not such a great joke, so please don't email me or show me scriptures about how that joke is so theologically unsound. It's just meant to remind you that we are called to be recognizably different to the world around us when we come out of this crisis. I pray that you would have a new set of priorities. And can I tell you, You might have to deal with some disappointment, even as the disciples had to deal with disappointment. You might have to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you into truth, to give you ears to hear and eyes to see the world different around you. Can I tell you, the disciples had this very same challenge. Listen to some of the verses that will show this. In the book of Mark, Jesus says, The Son of Man is going to be be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And after three days, he will rise. So he's talking about Resurrection Sunday. And you know what? They just can't see it. They don't understand anything he's saying. For The very next verse tells us, but they did not understand what he meant. And they were afraid to ask him about it. Some of us don't understand what the Lord is doing and why he's doing this. But we're afraid to ask because we're afraid we may not like the response. We may not like what God is saying. It's kind of like my children were saying to me, Dad, do you think Jesus might be coming soon? I said, absolutely, I believe Jesus could be coming soon. The signs are all around us. And this is just one more sign that there are birth pains happening. And when contractions start, you know that the, the, the delivery is at hand. So they said, oh, no, this could change everything. I said, yes, it's going to change everything for the better. I think we need to pray for eyes to see. Listen to what else Jesus said to them. In John, he said, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Can I tell you, in the crisis, in the moment, in the time of trial, we don't always understand, but we will if we have eyes to see. Jesus goes on to say, I am telling you this before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am not only Yeshua, but Yahweh, that I am God. He goes on to say in the book of Matthew, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And they just couldn't get it. They couldn't understand it. Why? Well, I'm going to share with you in a minute. It's because in one part, they didn't want to understand it. They had their own idea of what the future should look like and what their lives should look like. Can I tell you the first thing to really resting in God's peace and his joy and having confidence and faith and hope is to let him be God and him to give you the vision. Here in John 13, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and he testified. He said, very truly, I tell you that one of you is going to betray me. Now, I want you to to imagine this. You're all sitting there. You're one of the 12. And Jesus says, and you can tell he's really troubled. He says, one of you is going to betray me. And you all start looking at each other. Now, John The disciple who Jesus loved was close to Jesus enough to lean on him. And so he's being close to his master, 
And Peter sees John and makes eye contact and says, Hey, ask him who it's going to be. So they begin to ask him. John begins to ask Jesus. And then Jesus looks over at Judas and he says, Go quickly and do what you're about to do. But they think Jesus means because you're the treasurer and you handle the finances for the group, go pay the bill, go make arrangements, or go give some money to the poor about that thing we've already talked about. When in fact, Jesus was telling them what was about to happen and they just couldn't see it. It's like, what's wrong with these guys? No matter what happens, they just don't get it. Let me take you a step further. So they're at the place where they're having the last meal together. And the table is set, and Luke 22 says this. He took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for me. Do this in remembrance of me. What's happening here? This is the Lord's Supper. This is them celebrating Passover and Jesus forever instituting a new covenant for his church. This is huge. It doesn't get any bigger than this moment. And look at what happens next. The cup is shared. They pray over it. This is the blood and the new covenant. He goes through that. But verse 24 is what I really want to highlight for you. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be considered the greatest. Are you kidding me? They still don't have a clue what this is really all about. I see people freaking out and I see people talking about getting things back to the way they were and I just feel like saying, stop. Maybe God doesn't want things the way they were. Maybe the, the, the way things were wasn't bringing us any closer to him, but further. Maybe it was making this world really sticky and giving us eyes for this world instead of eyes towards heaven. So they start arguing about who's the greatest. And it's almost like little boys doing this thing. When, when you were a kid, how many of you remember going, I called it, and you would call, you know, pitching, or you would call being the point guard, or you would call shooting first, or you would call shotgun. And when, a, when, when you're among little kids and you call it, that's like set in stone. Like, that's like law. There is no appeal for someone calling it. He called it, and all the other kids go, he called it, he got it. He, he, it's... And it's like they're going, I called it, I'm the greatest. I'm going to sit at the right hand. They even had their mama come and call it for them. Can I ask that my son be at your right hand and my other son be at your left hand? This is crazy. They just don't understand. And you might be, you might be tempted to scoff at the disciples and their, their weak face and faith and their lack of understanding and their ignorance. But to do so would be to miss the point. Why? Because we're no different than they are. In many ways, we have the scriptures and we have all of these signs and His Spirit is poured out among us and His Spirit is leading us into truth, but yet we don't seem to grasp the real truth, the complete truth, we just keep missing it. 
So I look at that and I'm humbled and I say, Lord, maybe I'm just like them. And he reminds me and he says, yeah, you are. You're just like them. But I love them and I change them and I love you and I can change you. How were they changed? They were changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'll conclude that next week. We're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit prepares the bride of Christ. And we are the bride of Christ. But what I want to share with you today is, let this moment, this this moment like never before in our lifetime, change us for the better. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to His church. Let us realize that in many ways, we're just like the disciples. So I have a story for you. I can remember being disappointed, much like the disciples were, maybe. I was a young kid, so to me it was earth-shattering. You say, but Pastor, how how are the disciples disappointed? I don't get it. Well, they had their own idea of what they wanted their future to be. They had their own idea of what, how they were interpreting God's words. They thought that God talked about a kingdom. Oh, wonderful. Therefore, we get to replace the Roman kingdom. We get to defeat them. We get to overthrow them. I cannot wait to see Israel rise again. I cannot wait to see God's people rise to prominence, that Jesus would rule even as as David and Solomon did, that he would be the greatest king ever. And when we rise to power, oh man, our ship is coming in. And we can't wait to experience that economic prosperity. We can't wait to experience all the goodness that this world has to offer. Can I tell you, Jesus was speaking not of this world, but of the world to come, the one that could not be destroyed, the one that would last forever, the one that would remain remain secure. Can I tell you, he asks you to look at things differently here today as well. I'm reminded of this thing. It was a time way back when I was a kid, and my parents used to take us to the beach every summer. And we'd go spend a few days at the beach, and maybe that's why I'm so fond of the beach. And so we'd go down to, uh, to Padre Island, and we'd spend a beautiful time with the family, and it was just a, a really special time for, for a young kid. But one day, my dad accepted a church here in Bastrop, Texas. It's right outside of Austin. And, uh, and he decided that summer we weren't going to the beach. We were going to the Frio River. Now, the Frio River is a very special place if you haven't gotten a chance to see it. It's, uh, it's where Gardner State Park is, right on the Frio River. And, and I remember thinking, this is going to be sorry. Come on, I want to go to the beach. Little did I know that God had something far more special for me at the Frio. He was, he, was, he was unfolding a blessing that would forever change my life. I remember going to the Frio River with my family, and it was a church camp that we participated in that completely changed my life. I remember the closeness I felt with God's people. I remember the community that was felt. I remember falling in love with friends and with, and with the families there. So much so that later when my dad moved to Houston and we were much farther from the Frio River and much farther from that camp, and even after my parents stopped going, I would find myself returning back to that place because something pulled me. Even after my parents divorced and I had no transportation, I did whatever it took to go to that camp and I never missed one summer of going there. It was at that camp that I stayed connected 
to a young girl named Melissa. It was at that camp that God kindled love between me and Melissa. It was at that camp that I fell in love with her and pursued a long-distance relationship until one day I got to marry her. It was at that camp that once we were married and had our own family that God used a special evangelist to come and to say, God has sent me here and over the last six months I've been praying and preparing my heart for what I had to do and for my assignment. And now I know part of my assignment is to tell you, you are called to preach the gospel that you were called to minister for him, that what you've been thinking you were called to do, to be a businessman, to be wealthy, to, to have the American dream, to have the SUV, the white picket fence, the 2.5 kids, and all the things that you've been picturing, God has called you to something bigger, higher, and more profound, something that will echo through eternity. So can I tell you, I, must have been, I might have been disappointed, disappointed, excuse me, let me say that again. Can I tell you, I might have been disappointed by not going to the beach, but God gave me something far, far better. So may you and may we recognize that God's plans are good, that God loves you and he plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future even if it's not exactly what you thought of, it will be better than you think. May you trust him and may you gather your family close this, this Easter and this Resurrection Sunday and begin to see with spiritual eyes what God has for you and your family. If you've never experienced that close personal relationship with God and you want to be saved and ask Jesus into your heart, I'm going to ask you to go to the Jesus message that I presented. It's the plan of salvation. It's the Jesus plan of salvation. Please click below or you can look for it on our website and on our, on our app. I love you, church. May you have a great, great week. We hope you enjoyed today's message by Pastor Chris. We invite you to give from your MyFCM app or by going online at www.myfcm.org. Help us share the love of Jesus during this difficult time. 